Hey, this is Brennan Burke from MSG Networks and NBC Sports, and you're listening to the On the Board Sports Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios here in Manhattan, New York. And I'm joined by the wonderful Brian Control and the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham. It is a cold, blustery day here in Manhattan, New York, but that's all right. It's TGIF. And I'm also joined by my very special co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T. Sean, how are you? Well, I am doing good. It is a happy Friday. Not Friday. Friday. Well, Friday. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Can't complain. But we have a very special guest with us. Uh, Joining us via the phone from Toronto, Ontario, is the one and only Nick Alberga from Rogers Sportsnet. Nick, how are you? I'm fantastic, and you missed number one on my resume, the uh, expert Islander fan base troller, Nick Alberga. (laughs) I love that. That's great. Well, listen, you know know what you're talking about with hockey, so, you know, regardless or not, you're a diehard Maple Leafs fan, but I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. How did you first start up working at Rogers Sportsnet, and what made you want to uh, follow the Maple Leafs so hard? So, well, clear the air first and foremost. I'm actually not like the world's biggest Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I sort of just use it as a trolling mechanism. Uh, (laughs) I do cover the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'll be honest. And growing up, I was a big-time Maple Leafs fan. But certainly, I think when you're in this industry for how long I've been now, almost a decade, um, I think you sort of desensitize to fan bases, if you will, and more so just cover it for the love of the game. You know, I really enjoy... And I truthfully do mean this. I enjoy watching every team play in that National Hockey League right now, and that includes the New York Islanders. I'm a big Matthew Barzell guy. Barry Trotz is a fantastic coach. But it's pretty much become a shtick over the last year and a half, I'd say ever since John Tavares signed with the Maple Leafs. So uh, I just I always laugh and chuckle when people come at me and, and start digging at the Toronto Maple Leafs like I'm the world's biggest Toronto Maple Leafs fan because uh, that's actually not the case. Uh, it's certainly become my job over the last little while. Uh, back in September, uh, I signed a contract with Rogers Sportsnet to be the official um, host of Leafs Nation, which is the pre-intermission and post-game broadcast on the radio of Maple Leafs action on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fans. So while I cover this team day in and day out, they're far from my favorite. I, I would say in general, if I had a rooting interest, certainly the Maple Leafs would be the team I'd love to see win the most. But um, for those of you who know me well and those who have listened to me for quite a bit of time, followed me on, on social media, uh, I troll every fan base equally. Uh, I just love the sport of hockey. Um, I love the NHL and just can't wait to see what unfolds here in the springtime leading to the Stanley Cup Finals. So I've been covering the NHL for almost a decade now. I spent about eight and a half years at uh, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio and uh, elected to move on in the summer and, and join maybe greener pastures here with Rogers Sportsnet, who pretty much owns everything in this country when it comes to hockey. So uh, it's been a really, really good fit, and it's just given me the opportunity to grow as a broadcaster here. That's awesome right there, Nick. You know, you talk about the Maple Leafs. Before we talk about the Maple Leafs here for a second, I want to talk about the Toronto Raptors with you because you're sure. in Toronto. You're in there. You got to see them win it all last year in the NBA Finals, the first uh, championship for the Raptors in their twenty, almost 25 years of existence. Uh, can you take us what that was like? going through 
uh, the city of Toronto back in June of 2019 and what they're going on right now on their journey and on their quest to repeating. Yeah, honestly, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, in your wildest dreams, when you think of your childhood team winning a championship, it beat that. Um, in fact, I was, uh, you know, in the Toronto area, just near the arena for game six when they beat Golden State and won the title. And just to be on my friend's balcony at his condo, everybody going nuts. Then, uh, you know, the party was on in, in full force, uh, certainly on Front Street. And, uh, it was pretty crazy because uh, there were a lot of cops there, but just doing crowd control and people could do whatever they want. People are walking around with bottles of wine and vodka and, and fireworks. It was an unbelievable celebration, but it certainly was just a culmination of the blood, sweat and tears of this franchise for you know over 20 years. And, and certainly it helped. I mean, people make that excuse that, hey, Golden State, Golden State, excuse me, wasn't fully healthy. I can't buy that. I mean, at the end of the day, there's one championship winner. They did enough to get the job done. Uh, Kawhi Leonard certainly helped. Uh, I think without Kawhi, they probably don't win, but you really can't look at it that way either. So all in all, I mean, it was a tremendous experience. Uh, you know, when it happens in the moment, it flies by so quickly. And then next thing you know, the parade goes by, which they screwed up, by the way, because only the city of Toronto would do that. <laughs> and next thing you know, uh, we're, we're into the, to the, to the repeat potential season. And, uh, the Raptors are really, really strong again, and I just love that mentality that has been started by Kyle Lowry that it's us against the world, and they've used that for the last little while, and I would not sleep on the Toronto Raptors. Uh, obviously, I think it's difficult to repeat in any sport. We've seen that in the NHL, especially in the NBA, especially with the uh, the market in Los Angeles possesses right now with the Clippers and the LA Lakers. Uh, Giannis is on a different planet as uh, you know Milwaukee beat the Raptors last week, but Never count out the Toronto Raptors. I just love the heart and fight that, that team plays with. And honestly, it was unbelievable to watch it all go down and finally uh, win, a, win a championship last year. Definitely, Nick. And, you know, uh, speaking of Nick, um, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Nurse has proved to be a very good coach. Everybody thought, oh, well, you know, the claw left and, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 the Danny Green left. Oh, well, they're going to be bad. And Nick Nurse has definitely proven to be a very, a very good coach. But, Nick, um, I want to get to the Toronto hockey team now, the yeah. uh, Maple Leafs. Um, a very nice 5-3 win uh, last night. So as I look at the standings here, 34-23-8, obviously you kind of wish that they were in that, you know, 38-39-40 win mark. But, you know, they're still in the thick of things up to right now, can you just give us like a season overview of how you think the team has played so far and what do you think they need to do down the stretch to make sure that they have a playoff shot? Yeah, pretty much it's been a roller coaster season from the first, say, 25 to 30 games. They elected to fire Mike Babcock, who was widely regarded for the last decade, 15 years, as one of the best coaches, period, ever. And so they, they've changed the narrative. They changed the tune. Sheldon Keefe, a youngin, comes in from the American Hockey League. And it has been a much better team, I will say. Um, I think there's a lot of fleas and a lot of flaws with this team. Now 25-13-4 under Sheldon Keefe. Um, they've been ravaged by injury. Again, that's not an excuse. There are so many teams around this league going through the same type of situation, namely Pittsburgh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. The list goes on and on. I just think from a perspective of many people felt the Maple Leafs, they would take a step in a, in a new direction this year, potentially get to the second round, do some damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs because they always seem to run into their arch nemesis, the Boston Bruins, and can never advance through the first round. And 
who knows what happens this time around, but they're battling for their playoff lives right now. And nobody could have suspected that. Uh, it, it really has been a very turbulent roller coaster type season filled with drama and, and intrigue and marvel and, um, you know, guys not playing up to expectation. Uh, the goaltending's been a massive issue here with Frederick Anderson, has not been good. They couldn't find a, a backup goalie for a long period of time because Toronto elect, elected to pay essentially four of their star players nearly 40, uh, you know, a nearly combined $40 million. So it's been an absolute zoo to answer your question. And, uh, you know, they played better this week, but who knows what's going to happen next week kind of mentality. I still have my reservations and wonders if the Maple Leafs do, in fact, get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. They have to short things up defensively, but the only problem is they're really injured in the back end right now. They're actually missing three of their top, say, five defensemen. They're number one in Morgan Raleigh. They're number two or 1B in, in Jake Muzzin, um, Cody Cece out of the lineup. It, it really is patchwork uh, right now for that D-Corps, uh, and certainly from a defensive standpoint, uh, this team has been a nightmare and a train wreck all season long. So uh, I, I don't think Leafs fans are that positive about this team right now. But again, the one thing they do possess that most, team, most teams can't is is the firepower and, and the goal scoring. If they can ever figure out their, their own end, they, they should be okay. But uh, I don't like the likelihood of Toronto going as far as, say, the Toronto Raptors did last year. We'll put it that way. Nick, so as you uh, said, obviously the last year and a half between the Maple Leafs the Islanders, it's been I hate you, ha ha. We got the guy that <laughs> was saying uh, we got the guy that you guys uh, used to have. So, um, if you don't mind, just in a year and a half since you guys have had the player that we shall not name, um, can you just tell us what do you think or give your opinion on how he has played in a year and a half? Do you feel so far? that he's been worth the contract and he was worth, you know, that? Or do you feel like, you know, there's still a little bit more to be uh, des- uh, desired when it comes to JT91? Uh, yeah, so, you know, all in all, I think he's pretty much been as advertised. Again, I, I watched a lot of John Tavares in junior hockey. I covered him when he was a brief member of the London Knights. Like, this is... Uh, you know, a story that has brought me way back. In fact, he's from the same hometown of Oakville, Ontario. I know a lot of his friends. And I know for a fact it was always a dream to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know that hurts Islanders fans to hear that. Um, and I think you get so attached in pro sports. Um, you know, I was the same way with Tracy McGrady and to an extent Vince Carter back in the day with the Toronto Raptors. And, um, you know, try being a Toronto Blue Jays fan when you're the only, you know, uh, Canadian team in a league full of American squads and trying to lure players without overspending. Uh, it's just the way it is. And I know that stings to lose the captain and John Tavares was everything to that team. But I also feel like it was a bit of a blessing in disguise. And, you know, guys like Matthew Barzell and Pellick and, um, you know, guys of that oak on the, on the back end and Kiefer Bellows and guys coming up that system uh, to give them a push in the ass and to use sort of that mentality that it is us against the world. And uh, Lula Morello's done a, a nice, great stabilizing job there. They're getting a new arena. Um, you know, the goaltending has been rectifi- rectified. Mitch Korn has done a phenomenal job with the, the goaltending situation. And I just think in general, I think when you look at John Tavares, the Maple Leaf, he, he's pretty much been as advertised. Um, you know, it's it's easy to joke at, but to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs is a difficult, difficult job, and I think he's handled it really, really well. He was named captain 
Um, you know, last summer, I just think there's a lot that comes with it. And that's no disrespect to his time with the New York Islanders. It's a whole different animal uh, to be a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So all in all, uh, you know, I think he, he's pretty much been as advertised and sort of it's, it's fascinating because he did nothing in the playoffs for the Islanders. And then there was an expectation he'd come to the Maple Leafs and do something for them in the playoffs. I, I just, I think it's a work in progress from that aspect, but uh, no complaints, honestly. And, and this is not me speaking as a fan. It just says somebody as a media member who gets it. Um, I do feel it was a difficult decision for him, and it was it was one that tore his, his heart up just more so because he grew up a fan of this team, and, and sometimes you have to go with your heart. He went with his heart, and he's now a Toronto Maple Leaf. But uh, I totally understand where Islanders fans are coming from as well. Is Sheldon Keefe the long-term answer for the Toronto Maple Leafs at head coach? Well, they better hope so, right? Because uh, Mike Babcock, I mean, you could tell early on this season the players are not playing for their head coach, and now you move forward under Sheldon Keefe, and the last little while we've seen sort of the same stuff, uh, you know, go into the game of this team from a defensive standpoint. Uh, again, it's been a nightmare season, and again, a lot of it stems on the general manager, Kyle Dubas, and, and sort of the personnel he has put in place on this roster. I do feel it's a flawed roster, um, you know, I, I do like what I've seen from Sheldon Keefe so far, but you can only go to the well so many times when it comes to calling out players and expecting more out of your players and, and using the media as a mechanism. So um, I, I think a change was needed, certainly, in the ideologies of, of Mike, Mike Babcock. I just think we're not, we're, we're not modern-day sort of ideologies, and I think now you look forward at a moment like this where you need a guy, a younger-type guy who's been around the game a bit longer the last little while, and some of the millennial players... Um, in a guy like Sheldon Keefe. So, um, you know, I think he's done well so far. I, I think, again, it's a different animal to be even a head coach in this market, and you're going to take your scrutiny, and you have to sort of blank out um, the noise around you because it, it can get overwhelming, as we've seen in the last little while. I've been seeing a lot on Twitter, Nick, that, you know, we've been seeing Fire Dubis, uh, you know, trending <laughs> and seeing all all this happening on, on social media. Um, if Kyle Dupas doesn't get to the playoffs, is his job in, de- in jeopardy? You know, we, we've been talking about this a lot the last little while. Um, I, I don't see a way that they don't make the playoffs and Dubas gets canned. I think ultimately what will happen is they'll give him the benefit of the doubt, how egregious it would be for this team, especially how close to the cap they are, especially they've paid everybody uh, and they pay these guys as some of the best players on this planet and to miss the playoffs, at least to me would be unacceptable, but who knows how the brain trusts and the executives are feeling and under Brendan Shanahan, because this is Shanahan's guy, right? So honestly, you know, to look down the road, if they do miss the playoffs, I don't see Dubas getting canned. I think what, what is likely to happen is they give him the summer to sort things out and rectify some of his mistakes. And, if this team doesn't get any better next year, then I do think he could be on the chopping block. But I think the one thing we've noticed when it comes to general managers around this league, they're, they're, they're certainly not the first to take the bullet, right? It's always the head coach. We're seeing it again, again this year. Unprecedented numbers when it comes to coaches being fired. And again, um, some haven't been uh, results-oriented. But all in all, every season, it seems to happen. Uh, and it drives me nuts because I think sometimes it's more so on the general manager for not putting the the proper players in place as opposed to the coach who's coaching the players. But I don't think Dubas is going anywhere anytime soon. I'll say it that way. Nick, um, a non-Maple Leaf uh, question for you. And it's funny, like when I saw this stat the other day, I was really, really surprised that I forgot the year, but 
a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup in a very, very, very long time. So yeah, I know there are several teams from there, and I know you can't speak on them all, but I mean, if you had to give your opinion on what on or why the drought has been so so uh, so so long, uh, what would you say? So it's been since 1993, and I guess I should add that as well that I was actually not born in Toronto. Again, um, it's always interesting and intriguing to see the perception, especially from Islanders fan who thinks you know think I'm the biggest Toronto homer ever, but. I was, in fact, born in Montreal, and that's the last team to win the Stanley Cup in 1993. So you are correct. Hit it on the button. It's been a long, long period of time, and I wish I had the answer. You know, the only thing I can think of is that there's less Canadian teams than there are American teams, and numbers are numbers. Uh, Certainly, there have been teams that have gotten close, um, the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, and that hasn't happened in a long period of time. It's been a real fight for these Canadian teams to even get you know, to a conference final, heck, even battle for the Stanley Cup, right? And so uh, it is a reoccurring conversation. Every new season gets underway. When's the next Canadian team going to win the Stanley Cup? Well, you look at this season, certainly in the Pacific Division, um, you know, there are three different teams we can look at in the Vancouver Canucks, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Calgary Flames, all with their flaws. You know, Vancouver's really, really young. They've just lost their number one goaltender, Jacob Markstrom. Mm -hmm. The Edmonton Oilers have arguably the two best players or you know, two of the top five on the planet, certainly the number one in Connor McDavid, number two, Leon Dreisettle. Outside of that, um, the depth is just not there for that team. I don't see them going far. And, and Calgary's been a, a massive disappointment in terms of offense so far this year, spearheaded by Sean Monahan and Johnny Goodrow. So I'm not sure it's going to happen there. I do think the Central is the hardest division in hockey this year. And uh, no, the Winnipeg Jets in that division. But Winnipeg's a team that was up against it even before the regular season got underway, just more so, um, you know, because of their injury concerns and and Dustin Bufflin holding out, electing not to play this season and having ankle surgery. Uh, They've lost a ton of defensemen. They've been a miracle so far in how they've stayed afloat and and vying for a playoff spot. Ultimately, I I think they're going to fall short. And then in the Eastern Conference, you know, it's funny to say, but the Maple Leafs probably have the best shot of doing anything substantial in Canada, Canada this season. It might not feel that way, but I think their their road could be the best or the easiest, I will say, outside of uh, certainly uh, the Pacific, because I think there is sort of a, ro- or a road, I should say, for a Pacific Division team to at least clearly get to a conference final, because you've got to win your division. I just like Vegas a lot in that division, I'll say that. And maybe we do see Canadian team at least get to a conference final this year. Who knows? Uh, but the Maple Leafs in the Eastern Conference, the best shot. Montreal is going to miss. Um, you know, the Ottawa Senators are certainly going to miss. And uh, those are your Canadian teams. But I-, I wish I had an answer for you. Certainly, it's a topic of conversation, almost that summit point for this country. When's it going to happen again, right? Right, absolutely. You know, Montreal Canadiens are the last team that won it all in 1993, being the last actual Canadian team to uh, win it all. And you mentioned and alluded to the Calgary Flames making it to the final back in 2004 and the Edmonton Oilers when they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes in 2006. Uh, We got to switch up now from talking about Canadian teams and talking about the Maple Leafs. We got to talk about our New York Islanders here for a second. Do it. Okay. What has been your take on the Blue and Orange so far this year 
Honestly, I think it's been up and down. Um, you know, there's no doubt that Lula Morello has been big fish hunting for a while. I'm sure he was in an Artemi Panarin. Uh, I'm thankful he didn't land Sergei Bobrovsky. He's been a zoo and terrible for the Florida Panthers this year in between the pipes. And a uh, good thing they elect to go with Semyon Verlamov. Uh, you know, I think clearly the backbone of this team is the goaltending and the defensive structure. And there have been blips, don't get me wrong, throughout this season. Um, I think an underrated storyline was the loss of Ryan Pellick for the season. Um, just Adam know, Pellick. It's, or Adam Pellick, excuse me. I was thinking, I always get Pulak and Pellick. Yeah. Um, Adam Pellick uh, done for the season. Mm-hmm. Ryan Pulak's a guy who has had his ups and downs. Um, you know, I, from that standpoint, I think they're a work in progress. I think they got to be careful as well with the insulation of a youngster and Noah Dobson. And I think that's a big reason why. You know, they brought in the captain of the New Jersey Devils and Andy Green to sort of lead the way and, and take some minutes away from a guy like Noah Dobson. But I like the J.G. Pajot pickup. I, I understand they paid a pretty penny, but certainly I think he fits the mold of that team. I've watched a lot of this player. Uh, it's more so defense first, and he has the ability to play on your third line or your first line or your second line or PP1 or PK. And I think that's honestly where this game is headed towards the versatility standpoint, where the more you could do for me, uh, you know, the better you're going to help me out and, the and, and, you know, the bigger asset you're going to be for my my team. And I think going forward, like the, there's, you know, everybody knows what the Islanders are after and that's goal scoring. They don't have enough of it. Um, I think that's why at the deadline they were linked to a guy like Zach Parisi. Um, we'll see if that, you know, comes full circle. And certainly I, I understand why the Parisi deal almost happened and could happen in the offseason. Just might as well have a guy who's going to play as opposed to Andrew Ladd who's not going to play. But that's the next thing I do think they'll address is goal scoring and adding a top six player any way they can, uh, whether even be using a guy like Kiefer, uh, Kiefer Bellows as a sweetener in a deal to get a top six forward. I think that's the next order of business for this Islanders team. Because again, I like their composition. Uh, I do like them going and, and getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs. But once they get there, uh, very similar to last year, it's just shocking who it came against uh, the well ran dry in terms of offense. I mean, Barzal can't do anything. He needs a secondary scoring. Um, you know, I like what Brock Nelson brings to the table, Josh Bailey, but these guys have been consistently inconsistent. Uh, Jordan Eberle's another guy. Anders Lee is a fantastic captain, but you just need, it's a scoring by committee team. And I find the, you know, the well dries up way too often. And I think they need that bona fide sniper. That's why, you know, I always said this about Phil Kessel going to Arizona. I thought it was a good fit. Hasn't been so far. Maybe that narrative changes, but I think the Islanders need a bona fide sniper, and, and I'm sure Lou Lamorello feels the same way. Um, and I, I thought Panarin would have been been a good fit, but uh, they move on from there. And um, you know, all in all, I think they're going to be a tough out in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just love the drive uh, from a defensive standpoint and their goaltending, very very rock solid. Nick, I love Will to death. Everybody knows that. But I've been trying to tell Will for the longest while, that's what the Islanders need, a sniper, a top six guy. I don't think and so. And he refuses no. to uh, a degree, so What Nick. do they need, then? I, personally, what I, I'm at, I'm a season ticket holder with the team. I see what, I see the problem. You know, not the, I don't, listen, do they need a score? Yes. However, them getting J.G. Pajot was absolutely vital in which they needed. Now, me personally, I would have loved to have seen Tyler Toffoli here. You know, mm-hmm. a guy that's a that's a two-way player, that's a penalty killer, that could go in there, can grind with the best of them, that has Stanley Cup playoff experience. Instead, he goes over to Vancouver, and for the price tag that Vancouver gave up for Toffoli, for a rental, you know, it's, it, it's tough already as it is, but... 
Me personally, I would have liked. You need fits, and the thing is with the with the sniper and with Barry Trotz, you need somebody that's going to do it all. If you're going to have, you can't just have a guy on offense and plug him in there and expect him to play defense and have him be, you know, a a ten a tenfold player, you know, like a a five tool player at that point in time. You know, for me, you got to go out there and get somebody that's more of a fit for the coach. And for the way how, like like you said and alluded to, could Phil Kessel be that guy? You don't want to get older. You don't want to get older. I feel as if you want to be in this league now, youth and speed definitely go very far as opposed to trying to go out there and, and get like, you know, you look at the, the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Crosby got hurt. Malkin is doing unbelievable things. And now that Crosby's back, they're literally right there for the division. But, they, you know, they went out and they picked up Patrick Margot at the deadline. For me personally, like, how long and how much longer are you going to build around all these, uh, you know, all these guys, you know, that are just about on the on the back end of their career? You know, hopefully Lou or whoever the next general manager will be in the next five to ten years might might have that figured out. But for me personally, like, you know, that's not that's not the way how how it goes about me, me personally. Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, and I think the one thing I'll say too, having documented Lou Lamorello for, say, the last 25 years, 20 years, you know, back to his time with the Devils at the very beginning, it's just he he's so patient. Right. And I think he strikes when. Nobody expects it. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, you know, even a move like Corey Schneider for Bo Horvat at the draft that he actually consummated like two days before and nobody knew about it till it was announced by Gary Bettman. It just, Lula Amarillo is a different breed, that's for sure. And I just think that would be my advice to Islanders fans is just be patient uh, with the process. I know it stinks, um, but let's not forget, I mean, where this team has come from, the fact that you lost your captain, and I would argue you're a better team without your captain, right? right. Um, and I understand you can't make that argument because you don't know how it unfold if you have John Tavares in this mix, but I just like the buy-in. Like, when I think New York Islanders, I think team buy-in, and they play a different brand, and I think that's why they're successful um, as opposed to other teams who could have the you know the firepower um, to, to beat them but just don't have the wherewithal and the passion and the will um, that the Islanders seem to have in that locker room. Um, you know, when it comes to J.G. Pajot, I, I think it's got to be fair to temper expectations on this guy. Like, I mean, he scores 24 goals in 60 games. Let's not forget, it's a contract year. Right. Uh, more likely than not, I think Pajot is going to be a guy who they, in a perfect world, slot in for about 50 to 20 goals, probably more so to 20 goals per season. you got to be realistic in those expectations, but... I like where he's slotted right now in a third-line center role, and I think that's a perfect spot for J.G. Pajot, who I think is the right type of player. But again, you look forward to the offseason. Don't be shocked when the Islanders start being linked to all these guys. That's why they're linked to a Chris Kreider. I'm telling you right now, Lou Lamarillo has the same ideology in that he needs a bona fide sniper. Chris Kreider's that type of guy, and I think they go big fish hunting again. Taylor Hall's going to hit the market, um, probably, and I think it starts there, but I just never put it past Lou Lamarillo. I think he knows that there's a need for that type of sniper. It's just so hard to find on the market, but I I won't be shocked if it does, in fact, happen. Because there's a lot of great pieces on this roster, right? It's time to take that next step for this team now. Absolutely. Nick, you talk about the Islanders and them, you know, trying to make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Rumor has it today from Newsday, from the Long Island newspaper, yeah. that the Islanders are going to be playing all of their home playoff games at Nassau Coliseum. And next oh, year, God. next year, they're going to be playing all of their uh, home games next year at Nassau. So it's all a report. We'll find out tomorrow from Governor Cuomo, not from Gary Bettman. Yeah. But that's that's huge in for every Islanders fan. Instead of having to do this whole two arena thing, what's going to happen here? Uh, can you give us your your thoughts and your opinion on on this story? Yeah, no, I I think that's excellent, and uh, I've never actually been out to Long Island. I would love to go to the Coliseum one day, um, but from everything I've heard, nobody wants to go to a game at Barclays, and I'm happy they're steering away from that. I just heard the enthusiasm and the energy level in the crowd. You know, We saw it last year with the initial snake game and uh, Voldemort, John Tavares' return. Just um, it, it just seemed like the place to be, and I, I really feel like, honestly, and this is no disrespect to Islanders fans, I, it really takes on the DNA of that team as sort of a gritty type team, right? You, you look at that building and you're like, wow, the Islanders play here. And I, I think it's great to, you know, associate, um, you know, the hardworking, the blue collar mentality, because that's honestly what I felt about the New York Islanders for a long, long period of time. This even dates back to the, you know, the history with the Maple Leafs in the playoffs with guys like Steve Webb and, and Jason Blake and Eric Karens, like, the hard-nosed type style that has been accustomed to Islanders hockey for you know their brand in a long period of time, uh, I just think it resonates. Uh, and I like the fact that they'll play pretty much the rest of their home games and their home slate following this season at the Coliseum as they, they get set for their new barn and uh, new history in that building. But uh, I do think it's great because everything I've heard from Barclays, it's a piece of trash. It's not made for hockey. It's a beautiful <laughs> arena, but it's not made for hockey. It was never yeah. made for hockey. It was last resort. Uh, Nick, talking about hot teams right now in the in the whole league, the New York Rangers, they're playing absolutely unbelievable right now. They really are. They're about, what, two points away from the final wild card spot, and they're putting up absolutely ridiculous numbers uh, in the process. Give Will the New York Rangers make the Stanley Cup playoffs? I can't believe an Islanders fan is giving props to the New York Rangers. I, I have to. Start. I have to. They've be, been kicking our kicking our butts. I, I have to. <laughs> uh, it's you're right. Like this is this is the amazing part about the NHL. And I'm a betting man. I, I like the fact that the NHL is is endorsing gambling a bit more, and they're getting you know not just their foot in their entire bodies into gambling, and it's going to be huge uh, coming up here. But the Rangers are a team nobody could have bet on going into this season. I like the fact they came out a couple of years back and said, hey, we're rebuilding. Uh, the for sale sign is up. Uh, you know, Take who you want. We'll make a trade and we'll, we'll get some futures in return. But this process has certainly been expedited. Um, you know, It's kind of intriguing, too, that they were probably battling the New York Islanders for the, the rights to get Artemi Panarin. Panarin elects to be a Ranger and you know, make of it what you will, that contract. I, I think he has been phenomenal and Right now, if the Rangers make the playoffs, I think Artemi Panarin's in my Hart Trophy discussion. At he least. Is. He's been so vital and so important to that organization and that team so far. And uh, he's even, you know, started, you know, another former Islander, and Ryan Strom is having the season of his life yes, right now. I think he's got 58 points as we speak right now. And I never knew Ryan Strom had this in him. He's really found his game back from his early days as an Islander, even back to uh, junior hockey with the Niagara Ice Dogs. And it's, it's really, really nice to see for that team. Uh, I, 
I do like the fact that they didn't stray away from their mentality at the trade deadline. Um, they do re-sign Chris Kreider. I thought from the beginning he was a good fit there. They didn't overpay for him, which I think was was good from their standpoint as well. And they're just going to continue to build. Um, you know, I think under under underrated as well was the Brady Shea deal, right? Now, I mean, you look at this Rangers back end. They needed to free up some money to give Anthony D'Angelo a nice big fat extension after this breakout season. They got some money to work with when it comes to Ryan Strom and that extension too. So Jeff Gordon um, has done a really good job. Now we'll see if they can get there. Um, you know, I, I'm still fascinated to see what happens with Henrik Lundqvist. He still has one year left in his contract, but it's pretty clear that he's the third string guy right now. We know Igor Shishjorkin, um, this prodigy goalie, uh, not not to be confused with Ilya Sorokin, who's coming as soon as next year for the Islanders. This prodigy goalie has been lights out unbelievable gets in a car accident so he's actually hurt right now and now they're relying on their number two if you will and alexander georgiev the bulgarian who has been an excellent story the last couple years as well so it leaves no playing time for henrik lundqvist and um, i just think honestly there could be a resolution to this marriage this amazing marriage for a long long period of time between the rangers and lundqvist coming up in the offseason whether it be a contract termination or a buyout I think something comes of it because I, I think Lungfist is classy enough to accept and understand what's happening here. And when the Rangers possess two of the, you know, the top goalie prospects out there, we can say right now in Georgiev uh, and Shishjorkin, I think Lungfist is going to sort of pass the torch and that's what's going to happen there. But as you guys know, the, the backbone to any successful team is the goaltending and the D and the Rangers are really getting defensive play right now and the goaltending. And of course it's spearheaded up front from Artemi Panarin. They, they've been a marvelous story. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Nick, you talk about, and you're up in Toronto, you work for Rogers Sportsnet up in Canada. Uh, how does the NHL and even the major league baseball, for example, uh, how do they go out there and market their players better? Wow. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think clearly, as you said it, like it's different here in Canada, right? Um, we see it all the time. I work at Sportsnet. It's hockey first, hockey everywhere. Um, I think it becomes a bit difficult, clearly in the States. Um, and you know, I, I'll be the first to admit, uh, I, I, I don't watch football. I know fi- football is massive in the States and the NFL, mm-hmm. and you just have to compete with that. You have to compete with LeBron and the NBA you got to compete with those cheaters down in Houston, the, you know, the Astros. Like, there's a lot of competition where, as in Canada, you know, you got the Raptors, but they're a national team, clearly. And then you got the Blue Jays, another national team. And then you just have hockey, and then the CFL is a smaller uh, sort of spectrum. Um, so I think it just becomes a bit easier to market from that standpoint when it is your number one sport, as opposed to the States, where clearly hockey is not the number one sport. I think that, you know, Gary Bettman, for all the heat he takes, I think he's done a great job, great job, I should say, uh, growing the game. Who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago that Vegas would have not only an NHL team, but a successful NHL team and a strong financial uh, NHL team. Um, you know, there, there are some duds in there, don't get me wrong, and some work in progresses from an organizational uh, standpoint. But I think the NHL has exponentially grown you know, the last decade, even the last five years, uh, and they've really come a long way. They just need to continue pushing it. Um, I like the fact that, you know, star power has become a big thing. Even at All-Star Weekend, we're we're showcasing sort of the personalities and the talent level of these players. And, um, you know, we're we're getting new fans into the game, right? That's the most important part is somebody who wouldn't normally watch hockey. How do we get them hooked to hockey? 
and that's by showcasing sort of the talent and the firepower and the personality that some of these guys possess and, and just making them accessible too, right? In this day and age of social media, uh, I just think it's it's a massive factor to growing a brand. And honestly, I, I give two thumbs up for the way they've grown the brand, and I'm excited to see where this game goes because uh, the NHL leaps and bounds has improved from that standpoint, say, you know, 20 years ago back in 2000 to where it is now. It's been unbelievable progression and they just need to continue to push here because again you got to be realistic i mean the nfl is a juggernaut the nba is a juggernaut and that's just the fact of the matter right yeah absolutely nick last question for you okay you're you're from the toronto area okay you're a baseball fan give us your out your outlook and your approach for the 2020 toronto blue jays Oh, another really good question. Uh, I like how we're stretching the different sports here. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays have an immense amount of young talent. Um, how it correlates to Major League Baseball in 2020, um, you know, I think it's very similar to other teams out there don't care about the sport in terms of natural progression. I think the, the Blue Jays executives and the fan base will call this season a win if we start to see progression out of guys like, you know, Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero and Biggio, and, and, you know, Nate Pearson's a young hurler they have on the on the mend of being a, a major league player. And Ryu, I think too. Just, yeah, exactly. Hinjin Ryu comes over, you know, that's a big prize free agent pickup. I'm not crazy about it. It is what it is. I, I think he'll be on the DL in like a month from now. <laughs> oh, uh, but you just never know, right, in right. major league baseball. And I, I just think, you know, I just think you have to limit your expectations. I do think there is a possibility for the, the Jays to at least sniff around you know, wild card spot because the Boston Red Sox are so committed to, you know, a fire sale and, and, and not really competing this year. And maybe they know the sanctions coming down for Major League Baseball in the next little while. You don't know, but never say never, right? As we've seen in every sport, you know, the St. Louis Blues last year where they came back from the dead, uh, you know, last place on January 5th to end up winning the Stanley Cup. You got to get hot. And, you know, bullpen is another thing too that you can get random guys really, really step up. But, the nucleus is exciting. Don't get me wrong. When you look at this Blue Jays team, there's a lot of potential on this roster, I'll say. Absolutely, man. Nick, how do the people follow you on social media? Yep, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy. I do a lot of work, of course, with, uh, with Roger Sportsnet. If you play uh, fantasy hockey, uh, I co-host a uh, show on Sportsnet's YouTube page called the Fantasy Forecheck, and it's just a weekly look at fantasy hockey. Uh, I write two articles a week as well for sportsnet.ca, 20 fantasy thoughts, and a weekly mailbag dedicated to, um, you know, wall-to-wall coverage of fantasy hockey. And then in general, uh, I just tweet about hockey nonstop, including Islanders fans. I miss you guys out there. (laughs) Hope things are well. Uh, But yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to the springtime because the Stanley Cup playoffs are just around the corner, baby. Absolutely, that they are. You know, Nick, you mentioned Nassau Coliseum before. I got to tell you, I was up in Toronto for the Maple Leafs-Islanders game back on January 4th and went over to Maple Leaf Gardens. And, you yeah. know, I wish I wish that they could somehow, like, preserve all these uh, stadiums and arenas all over the country the way how they did uh, Maple Leaf Gardens because that is... <laughs> is absolutely beautiful. And I got to tell you, that is absolutely awesome with a capital A, brother. Yeah, you're right. If it don't make dollars, unfortunately, it don't make sense, right? Um, and the, you're right. Like, uh, you know, most of Maple Leafs Gardens is now, they, they've modified it into a smaller arena, if you will, and also a grocery store, mm-hmm. um, which you hate to see, but I, I get it too. 
Um, you wish you could hang on to these buildings for life. Uh, you could only wonder what the Coliseum is going to look like, or is it going to be there in 10 years, right? Right. Then maybe maybe the Bridgeport Sound Tigers will come down to uh, yeah. to Nassau and play over there while the Islanders are playing up in Belmont. That'd be great, man. That would be that would be awesome for like minor that. league hockey. Yeah. Look at you, Will. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Will, will Josh Hosang be on that team? Well, Josh Hosang, he got his <laughs> rights. Or, I know. You you know it. You saw it. He's now playing for San Antonio right now, but his rights are still with the Islanders. Crazy house things work out like that. Nick, yeah, we know I don't think Lou's a big fan of him. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely he definitely uh messed himself up. Great individual talent, make no mistake about that, that's for sure. But yeah. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you again. We really appreciate you here. Appreciate Sean and I you, do. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. I thought you guys were going to be coming at me because uh, how it all started on Twitter is basically we're going at it a bit. Uh, you guys are chill dudes. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so no much problem. for coming Thank on again, and sacrificing man. some time to come on. Thank you again, Nick. means a lot. means the world. Thank you again, bud. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. All right, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. That was the one and only Nick Alberga from Rogers Sportsnet. And Sean, he's an awesome dude. Well, and he definitely is. And you know, well, what I like about that is, you know, what I'm saying like he knows, he knows his, his he knows sports. His sports. He does his Toronto sports from the Raptors, the Blue Jays, the other hockey teams from you know, what I'm saying left and right, East Coast and West Coast. Right. So, but well, I have to agree with him that I expected more from the Maple Leafs. I think we all did. Yeah. Um, saying so. Um, to see them thirty four, twenty three, and eight, like you expect that for other teams, you kind of expected them with the talent that they. Well, I don't say the talent, but the paper, yeah, the uh, paper skill talent. guys yeah, uh, yeah. that yeah. they have. You know, you kind of expect them to have, you know, around that thirty eight, thirty nine, forty win mark for thirty four. I mean, it's not, it's not bad, but it, but compared to the names they have, you know, you do, you, uh, you do uh, expect more. So he does have a good. What's the word I want to say? Well, he has a good pulse of that team. So we shall see. I agree. I think it's going to be tough for them to to get a spot. But as we saw, St. Louis went from last place to winning the whole damn thing. So Yeah, absolutely. You never know what could happen, man. Look at the uh, look at the Short Island team over here that's playing absolutely unbelievable. I'll admit. I will admit. I know many Islanders fans, include, even myself, I probably would, would have said, Rangers making the playoffs? What, are you kidding me? Even right now, I, I got to see it to believe it. But... You know they're playing hot at a right at the right time. Well, and I don't have Islanders rant, but it's it's more so of these games that we're losing are winnable games, and not only that, we're losing these games on mistakes. And what fears me will is that we weren't doing these mistakes last year, like we weren't turning the puck. You want to know? You want to know why? You want to know why? All that stuff. Well, is happening now because of the fact that the fourth line's not playing together. Because well, that's of the fact, a big, a, because, a big because reason, of right? the fact that Adam Pellick is out. Adam Pellick head head and above Zeter heels, head above heels. Adam Pellick three years ago before Barry Trotz got in, nobody knew either a nobody knew who he was or b because of the fact that you know he was turning the puck over and not playing well on a consistent basis, and then in comes Barry Trotz. And here he is having an unbelievable season, season and a half Mm -hmm. since, you know, since Barry came in. But also, too, you know, Sean, I know you alluded to the fact that, you know, you need goal scoring here. You you need this. You need that. I get that. 
to the fullest extent. But the Islanders have been scoring goals in their games that they've been losing. You know, yeah, they came off of a putrid road trip in in Nashville. They got shut out. Shut out. In Vegas, they, you know, that was a loss. It was a close game, but it was a loss. Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Close game, Mm -hmm. still a loss. And even in Colorado, they only scored one goal. However, you know, when when they were home, when they were home in January and when they were over in December and all that stuff, they, I remember looking at it. They twenty seven games. They scored over three goals. You know, the goal scoring to me, it's you got to find it from the guys within. The Jordan Eberle, Jordan Eberle is scoring at an unbelievable clip right now. Is he a streaky player? Without a shadow of a doubt. Brock Nelson, he's been living up to his contract and playing great thus far. Mm-hmm. Anders Lee, you know, the captain of the team who I love. I love his personality and his demeanor. However, you know, when we keep on hearing over Twitter and over social media, these some of these people, you know, they're right to a degree. $7 million is a lot for a player for a guy who parks his keister right in front of the goalie. And, you know, I, I get it. But at that same point in time, this is a guy that isn't going to score 40 goals. Every every year and every, every year out, mm-hmm. you know, if he scores 25, 30 goals, I'll be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And if he's saying the right things and he's bringing the battle level and he's going out there and he's playing hard. Same thing with Michael Dalcole. Yeah. I'm tired of having to hear about people talk about Michael Dalcole being this bust, this top five bust that, oh, well, you know, forget. I'm not expecting the guy to go out there and score 50 goals right now. I'm not. I'm not. What I want to see is this guy forechecking. What I want to see is him playing solid defense. You know, yeah, everybody looks at the top five, the top five uh, pick as, oh my God, you know, he's got to score here, he's got to do this, and there's a high expectation. But throw that out the window. It doesn't matter anymore. The top five pick doesn't matter anymore at that point. This kid is hustling. He's making his way out there and he's skating hard. He's going out there and he's forechecking like mad. And he's, you know, he's doing the right things out there. We also have to keep in mind when that coach was picked, this regime wasn't here. So it's one of those Correct. things where, like, you know, you have to give the new regime a chance to evaluate him, Correct. to coach him up. Correct. And I trust Barry Trotz will with a top five pick. And give not, me Barry Trotz coaching a type uh top five pick. And not only that, and not only that, Nick Alberga managed mentioned the fact that Lou likes to be patient with his players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we didn't see Michael Dalcole in until his first game back in twenty eighteen. Right. With when he made his debut at Madison Square Garden. Right. Okay. This was under Doug Wade at the time. Doug Wade, right, right, right. Okay. He got sent back down. The team, they fire uh, uh, Doug Waite and Garth Snow. Mm-hmm. Garth, Garth is still with the team, believe it or not. Right, right, right. And under, under another role. Okay, Wade is doing his own thing. However, with everything that's gone on, he went down in the minors. He found himself, and he became an AHL All-Star. Now, again, I don't care about the AHL All-Star stuff. Right. It is what it is. Just go out there and play, and you know, good things will happen for you. Well, not only will good things happen for you, Will, it goes back to 
you have to give the new regime some time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, not only that, I agree with Nick that I think this Peugeot trade was a setup for something that's coming uh, summertime. I really, really think that Lou has a pulse on the trade um, market and free agency. And I really think, well, is it going to be a top six guy? Probably not. Because I don't think getting a top six guy is what Lou wants to do. But I think he's going to get a guy to go with Peugeot, to go with Barzell, to go with Lee and Zeke and Brock and so on and so forth to balance that out. So I do agree with Nick. I will, It won't surprise me at all if summertime are having a show on, yo, I did not see this move coming from Lou at all. And I, I will admit, admit this to you, okay? I'm talking about the fourth line here at the end of the year. Matt Martin... I love Matt Martin. I do. I think he's a great player. He's a guy that's going to bring leadership every time. However, when you have a guy like Ross Johnston that signed for another two years, you plug in Ross Johnston. Okay? You plug in Ross Johnston. Ross Johnston is a fan favorite. So is Matty Martin. But there's ultimately going to be a time where, you know, Lou's going to have to sit down with him at his, uh, you know, end of season meetings. Mm -hmm. And they're going to talk and... Personally, I hope that John Ledecky and Scout Malkin offer Matt Martin a scouting, uh, you know, him being a scout, because I think he could definitely be that guy. Mm-hmm. However, right now, I can't see him playing anywhere else. Right. I can't. I can't picture this guy signing and playing somewhere else. That's just me, though. No, well, I'm saying, and well, and I mean, look, if if anybody has the pulse of the team or a great take on the team is going to be you because you're at every single game. You right. travel to see these games. So, obviously, you know, you know what I'm saying, the ins and outs. So, I take your word for it. Um, there will. But, well, my concern is that us missing the playoffs, obviously, it's a very realistic thing that it, can't it, take it, place. It can happen. Especially with the Rangers playing lights out. I'll, I'll admit that as well. And the, and the thing with – it's one thing to lose to the Rangers. Did we have we beaten them this season? Yes. Do I count it? No. It was the game before the All Star break and Panera didn't play. Now you beat who you play. Understood. You play the games that are scheduled. Understood. However, in the games aside from that, we've lost. Have we looked good at times during all those games? Yes. Did we win any of those other games? No. And so, yes, it stings because it's the strangers, as Will likes to call them. And Will, as when I saw that on Instagram, I spit out my juice because it is, it is a very funny name to give them, Will. Well, However, Will, okay. the strangers have kicked our ass this season minus the 4-2 win that we had. Will. However, however, and we're going to end the show here on this. Fear the fourth line. That's all I got to say. Fear the fourth line. Because these guys are playing with Band-Aids at this point. The team's playing with Band-Aids. You know, when you have a fourth line going out there with Otto Koivula, and I like Otto Koivula, I think he's going to be a stud in the future. Not right now, however. Can he, Matt, can he be Casey Sezikis? Can Does he look like he could be like a Casey Sezikis type of player? Somewhat. Do you think someone needs to come up and some shuffling needs to be done no. of the, the lines? No. Because what's going to happen here is, and we're going to end the show, this time we're going to end the show here. <laughs> Number one, Kiefer Bellow has played his his nine-game nine game contract. Yes. Okay? So that way they have him for another year. For another year. For right. another year right, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. That's why he's down here, and that's why Andrew Lett is up. Right. That's number one. Number two, you know, who else is who else is down there that, 
Josh Hosang got got transferred over to San Antonio. San Antonio which is crazy. So he's out. You know, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, same thing with Ke- same thing like Kiefer, nine games. So the answer to that is no. We're not going to see another call up from the minor leagues unless it's Auto Coival again. However, you know, like I said, get Zizekas and Clutterbuck back. You got the third line already in place right now with Bailey, Dalco, and Pajot. Second line's going to be the BNB line, Bovillier, Nelson, and Broussard. Broussard mm-hmm. Okay. And the first line is Eberle, Barzi, and Anders Lee. Right. Okay. That's it. That's it. That that those are the fourth lines. There's no more plucking minor leagues, doing this, doing that. Kiefer Bellows is down in Bridgeport for good now. And I loved Kiefer Bellows. I have his jersey at home. Okay. Yes. I have his jersey at home, but he's he's Staying there unless a catastrophic injury happens again. Well, we're definitely going to end uh, the show here. Everybody who thinks that Lou gave up too much for that trade, I don't. I don't either. some of those are conditionals depending on if they make it, contract, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, they've the Amherst have done a great job of drafting. So the last thing to me you need is to, is to get younger at this point because you have so much young talent and, coming up. So. And not only that, too, but... With uh, everything that's gone on with the the Islanders and the trade deadline, Zach Parise was supposed to get traded over he, here. He was. He was. But uh, Andrew Ladd and and uh, Kiefer Bellows, that would have been a lot. Yeah. You know, many people. Kiefer uh, Bellows, yeah. Kiefer no, Bellows, no. a first-round pick. and no. Andrew Ladd for Zach Parise. Who's 36. No, yeah, no, I, no. I I saw the move. I was like, okay, you know, what, what, what's it all about? And then the guy, the other guy from Minnesota said, no, we're not, I don't want to be a part of this. And that's what nicks the whole move. But we'll wait. I'm happy that all the games are going to be played at Nassau for the playoffs and well, for next year. We're going to find, we're going to find out what's <laughs> going to happen. All right, guys, seriously, on, on that note, for, Nick Alberga, thank you, Nick, for coming on. For Brian controlling the ones and twos behind the glass here at Gotham on a nice, frigid Friday. And for my co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T., I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C., logging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace out.